To choose violence here is to declare war against your king. Wonderful. Even if it ends in the death of your unborn child and its mother. Episode two, Podcastly Rock. Um, I'm John King. We got Mac Newman here and mm-hmm. Peter Shin. Mm-hmm. We're here to talk about the second episode of House of the Dragon, named The Rogue Prince. This one's directed by a Greg Yatanis, written by Ryan Condal, the showrunner. Um, Peter, you want to take us into the the ratings? Yeah, so another kind of shocker to me is, I mean, obviously the first episode drew great ratings, but uh, according to Entertainment Weekly, the uh, second episode drew uh, 10.2 million viewers um, through um, the time period already, which is actually an increase um, from the first week, which is pretty surprising, especially for A, a new show, and B, a new show that drops an entirely new cast of characters that you know, could in some ways be alienating to new viewers. Like the fact that the show has momentum and legs already is a huge indicator that, you know, this is more than just a hit. Like this could be, you know, another cultural phenomenon on a level um, that the original Game of Thrones was and clearly shows that HBO knows what they're doing uh, with both advertising, marketing, and just the content of the show. Well, that that means that, more people that watched it when they came in at the premiere and watched it and saw it decided, okay, I'll stick with it. Then was like, I'm going to try this out. No, I'm out. And, and quickly too, because obviously this, this won't have, uh, these numbers won't have taken into account people who may have, you know, be watching the show later in the week, you know, after, you know, several days have passed. So people are watching the show within, you know, it's release day when or, it comes out. Yeah. And so people are really looking to this as a weekly event, uh, which is kind of the first maybe show we've had in a while um, like this, um, especially with, you know, the HBO weekly release model versus something like Stranger Things that does the binge release versus the weekly. Yeah, it's been common through COVID to drop through streaming platforms whole seasons at a time. So you get that, you know, cumulative feedback. Um versus you get to break it down week by week which which also like I, I i think i mentioned last time we there are people i know people that have said i'm waiting for three or four or five episodes to come out and then i want to binge it because that's their style so like aren't the numbers may even be skewed to that there may be more people that will enjoy the show that haven't even started watching it that's crazy to me yeah that's a good point i mean there could be a whole secondary audience just waiting mm-hmm. to feast yeah, something else then I wanted I just saw in the news today actually. Um I don't think we've mentioned yet was Spochnik. Just an, it was just announced that will not be returning to run the show for season 2. So Miguel Spochnik who I, I was thinking was one of the main reasons why we're getting the quality that we're getting has decided to leave. So I don't know if that's kind of 
I mean, I've heard rumors of him being burned out uh, with high workloads um, with both this show and then on some of the uh, heavy lifting he had to do on the, you know, last few seasons of Game of Thrones. So mm. it could be the case of, you know, just him wanting to take a break and focus on other things and, you know, collect the cash that he assuredly has gotten um, also. Yeah, they didn't um, say he was going to, like, go do something else. They're just like, creative other opportunities and he's going to keep an executive producer credit so i'm yeah, sure he can right. help out when he's needed so i don't think this should be read as him being unceremoniously dumped uh hopefully yeah. knock on wood because i've <laughs> i've liked most of the work that he's done um oh absolutely. i think he's pretty good okay to jump into it then we gotta talk about we got a brand new intro mm -hmm pretty much in the vein of the original intro, but very much it's its own thing. So there's there's a map. We're traveling through the map. Game of Thrones had, uh, we, we got the Westeros and Essos breakdown of city by city. This is a little different. Um, you want to kind of talk through what we saw here? Um, well, I'll say, so it was great to hear the song again. Um, did I did love hearing that, but I was so confused why there's blood shooting out everywhere and... Like, are these sigils? Like, what is going on? Like, my read is it's individuals. So we see, I definitely saw a crown that looks like the crown that Viserys is wearing, and then, and one of the last ones is the the same design that Rhaenyra is wearing in the necklace that Damon gave her. So I think this is all of the major characters. And as far as the setting, I, I'm seeing Valeria. Like, I think this is the post Doom Valeria. Yeah. And we're just going Targaryen by Targaryen, and it's just a river of blood. Very grape-juicing looking blood. <laughs> I was just stoked on to hear the song in its full entirety. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we didn't we didn't get it in its in its full glory in episode one, and I know that's pretty pretty common to bring it in on the second episode, like Game of Thrones, so that way you get the full one, and then we might be let down next week and not get the full song. We'll get a we'll get a shortened version, but. I think um, we'll get it. I think they're sticking with this. Yeah, I just uh, missed the I missed the map. The map was cool, especially mm -hmm. it episodes. was helpful. It was helpful, and for a while, I think they changed it later, but it would show the cities they were in in the episode. It would like yeah. focus on them, and then they kind of change it to just be the same cities after that. But it was cool to be like, oh, we're gonna see, you know, Winterfell, and you know, blah 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 city. You know, that was cool to kind of see that. You know, whenever they introduced a new city, like when Danny went from Astapor to Marine, right? We saw Marine was now a city in the intro. Like it, it, the next episode after a new city had been unlocked got added into the intro. Yeah, it was interactive almost. Yeah, um, which is great. Okay, so it'd be I mean, interesting to see if they add that to just that like that content that keeps you included with the intro too. Because I mean, it's fairly common you see. Um, other again, bringing up streaming platforms, you you see that little corner in the box that says "skip intro" that I imagine a lot of people do. But um, you know whether this is going to be a, I mean, how can you skip this song, right? But yeah, also those aren't real people. <laughs> yeah, this and True Detective season one were like the intros that were not skippable for me. I don't even skip the Friends intro. <laughs> okay, so. First shot we come into after the intro, we have the desolation on the beach, the crabs 
mercilessly like eating through bones and blood and and men just screaming pin to post on crab feeder at the very end right we get the shot of his face and he's got the the harpy mask on right it looks like they give we get the close-up he's got what appears to be grayscale and and like a deteriorating harpy mask which i read this as just kind of an avatar of the free cities just bunched up the the concept of essos and the free cities is is gaining territory into westeros they're seeing the weaknesses opening up in, in viserys's reign here and they're seizing the opportunity to come and just shit disturb and see if they can literally land grab um so yeah as far as longevity i don't think he's a multi-season character i think it will be obviously it could be dealt with in one fell swoop with the dragon and that's another theme that we see is like the reluctance to use dragons and and with Viserys and versus Rainy Rhaenyra. Yeah, good call on catching that. That's a harpy mask looking at it again. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just assumed it was a crab mask, you know, going a to crab mask. mask. <laughs> <laughs> but uh and that does look like grayscale, whether he's contagious or if it's, you know, passive, like that could tie into, you know, whether or not the king if the king, you know, has uh you know, grayscale or if, or if it's gangrene or some kind of other rot, you know, what's going on there. Yeah. Again, definitely. I think we'll, we're looking to see if this is going to be a theme here and we'll come back to that with uh, Viserys a little bit later. And does it tie into motive too? So, I mean, could, you know, his physical, you know, the body at the moment, if he's suffering from an ailment, you know, is it caused by something, um, you know, as a byproduct of Viserys' reign, right? That's motive for him to to do what he's doing versus or some a larger catalyst to, you know, try and provoke them to attack, you know, in those what could become contested waters if they choose to show a show of force, right? You know, there's mm -hmm. they've never, you know, we talk about it later in the episode, but you know, that's almost like declaring war. So it's mm -hmm. very interesting and almost specific spot for him to continue to uh feed the crabs right <laughs> and uh i'd just be curious too if you know if he has grayscale did he get it from going to old valeria could that tie into you know more history of the targaryens or not you know that could be something to watch yeah i think that's uh for sure we're here we're at a point where grayscale is being introduced as as a major element of the season here so i'm curious maybe yeah. if we compare though if you compare what's on the face and body of crab feeder versus the ailments that the series is suffering from i, I feel mm. you know when you talk about grayscale and of course i think the only depiction physically that we have is what's in game of thrones but that's more of a the skin hardens and then it blisters and starts to crack as people move right it tears open so you get that dragon scale look um but Viserys is he's rotting his flesh yeah. isn't callousing um yeah well it does seem like in the first the first episode they were you know cutting off or lancing burning like trying all kinds of removal of his ailment so it could and be, maybe not giving it a chance to yeah spread like, as much yeah but but that they're, they're that's just, a good point yeah 
delaying the inevitable maybe hear me out here is this a parallel for viserys reluctance to use dragons as a force against like so if if the grayscale like like if they're if they're just trying to like chip away at it or use the maggots or whatever it is to like remove it the same thing as versus mm -hmm. hey we should just torch this shit out of this thing and just it's the nuke it for or from orbit right from aliens yeah uh, like the only way to be sure yeah the only way to be sure so is that is that's what's happening here is is literally the the crab feeder is the grayscale in westeros and it's like slowly creeping in what are you gonna do are you gonna chip away at it viserys is like oh i've i've, I've put out some calls right like i called up uh uh volantis <laughs> and like we're gonna see if they want to do anything <laughs> about it like he's 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 not taking the swift action that that corliss wants to do of just torch the thing like why don't we just fly a dragon in there and fucking burn them out yeah, I mean, there does seem to be, you know, the characterization of King Viserys is, you know, a lot of half measures. Um, yeah. Okay. On the subject of Viserys, we've, after the uh, after our crab feeder scene, we come back to uh, Viserys and Allison in the king's chambers, and he's got his Lego set in his room, and he's talking about <laughs> old Valeria <laughs> walking her through the buildings, right, and. This was a surprise to me. So I don't have too much previous um from from the things that I've read about the blood magic of of Old Valeria. He mentions some like I don't even recognize the name. So some like building is is where the blood mages did most of their work is what he's telling to Allison here. And we don't get too much more there, but I I'm I feel like as we've said before, you know, every moment here is important. Like what, what is the read on this like blood magic and how that's playing out? Well, I mean, I'd say, you know, first of all, you know, everybody loves, uh, you know, telling your potential, uh, you know, love interest about uh, the glories of blood magic. It's just a great way to connect with uh, women and, you know, form a bond with them. Uh, but in seriousness, like also your Lego sets, like they yeah. love and to justify the cost of your Legos. Yeah. Yes. Also, that's mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely something, you know, some little egg being planted there of blood magic coming up in the future for this to just you know be casually mentioned off the cuff you know oh by the way our uh the place where we're from you know they did uh heinous blood magic and strange rituals and you know things that aren't duplicated in westeros like that's gotta come back it's, it's got to yeah it feels to me a little like he's got this complex of well Old Valeria had all these things in its strength and might, and we don't have these. That's why I'm not doing more than I need to. Like, we just can't do that here, right? Yeah, like, we had blood magic, and I want it now. Yeah, exactly. It's like, like, well, if I had blood magic, I could just solve all the problems in the realm. But, you know, I don't have And that. I mean, that might, that might show why we see all this frustration with uh, the series is rain right now he you know of course he talks about it you know his one number one job is to prevent war but he keeps you know reveling on this past of he doesn't have thousands of dragons he makes that comment you know we used to have thousands of dragons at our disposal but we don't anymore it's like buddy you don't anymore so like you gotta yeah. start making swift and decisive action and i think a lot of people are pressuring him to be more in their world where he's still I mean, almost every scene now we've seen this man is bringing up something from the past. It's acceptable to bring up his wife and his son. That's 
that's acceptable. You know, that's something that's tangible. That's something that everybody can relate to right now. But we're not, we're talking about a civilization that's long gone. Yeah. And he's, he's out there acting like, you know, it's like the guy who peaked in high school talking about how far he can throw the football, you know, except with his, you know, descendants, like he's just out there, like kind of, you know, acting all nostalgic for, you know, a time period that he probably never, well, he never even, you know, really saw. Um, Yeah. And it's one thing if you're the county sheriff, but you're not, you're the (laughs) king. So. Yeah. Well, and then we get Rhaenyra comes with direct opposition, right? She's literally staying there in the corner during the great council. Corliss is, she's like, we have dragon riders and she's referring to herself, right? What are the dragon riders we have? We have her, we have Damon. Damon. There's no other dragon riders at this time. As far as I know, she's like, send us like why would you not just send dragons to deal with this problem and then he's just like viserys is afraid to use dragons for some reason well i think he's afraid of you know letting loose violence you know he's at his core you know a nice person and i use nice in quotation marks like he wants to make people happy and i think he's you know at his heart a decent man but he's not suited for making hard choices so he takes the easy way out. He kind of passes the buck and he's not out of maliciousness and he's not dumb, you know, as I think this episode showed some of his maneuvering, but he's not the cutting edge that kind of needs to, to take decisive action. And it sucks too, because we see, I mean, you see this plot kind of unfold in so many different, especially fantasy stories where the parent has deep knowledge that eventually they want to impart on their heir. And, you know, in this case, series to Rhaenyra, right? You know, comments like, you're young, you will learn, right? And the dinner scene a little bit later, right? So those those snaps back at, you know, she's she's eager. She wants, hey, we're dragon riders. We have dragon riders, like, let me go. She's willing to put herself, you know, under, you know, under fire if it means, you know, her being able to respond to Corliss's call and bring, you know, bring justice, right? But if she responds that way and, every decision and she becomes impulsive you know that can lead to her death or if she brings war to her home that means Viserys's life is on the line and if Viserys dies he can't pass wisdom on to anybody and then he can't which I imagine there will probably be a conversation coming up of I'm trying to protect you um but that can play out in a bunch of different ways but I think touching back on you know Rhaenyra, hey, we have dragon riders. I am curious, you know, Viserys' comment, we've his dream of 12 dragons, and then the intro comment in the first episode of them establishing 10 dragons under their yoke, right? How many are currently in the city, and how many dragons have we not seen yet? You know, we get pictures of the dome. We definitely get pictures mm-hmm. of two dragons at this point, but how many other dragons? Because now there's only three that have been talked about. Other than, I guess, Valerian. So four dragons' names have been dropped. Yeah. I think they came over with like three or five or something. The interest that at the at the height, they have 10. And I think at the current events, they have 10 adult dragons. I'm reading that as there may be a couple like hatchlings. Yeah. like I thought it was somewhere to 10 to 15. And, I, you know, we don't know if that includes, you know, does that include eggs? Does it include, yeah. yeah, does it include babies? Like there's the dragon hatchery or rookery or whatever on dragonstone and then the dragon pit i believe also has dragon fostering capabilities as well so Mm -hmm. 
they're still able to successfully breed a stable dragon population. They haven't lost. Um, and Damon stole one of uh, an uncertain number of eggs. Um, so yeah, the potential she... to gain more dragons is also something to be seen as well. Okay, so we have um, we have another interspersed scene here with Rainier and Rainies have a conversation. I think their first conversation in the show, um, alongside with Viserys and Lena's walk through the garden, which is honestly one of the most striking scenes I've ever seen in a television show and, and mostly for the fact of the acting on the part of Patty Considine to pull off in no uncertain terms how weirded out he was by having to be courted by a 12 year old girl or at least we're told they're 12 she actually looks younger than that to me I don't know but like the sheer weirdness of it came across on the screen so well that like I, I i think had he not been able to do that it would have would have taken a toll on the show like i think the show would have legitimately suffered had he not been able to pull off like well this is totally fucked up and as the old white guy in the situation i'm i'm gonna really have to like create this barrier of fuck no um <laughs> I, yeah yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, he was a great casting choice of, you know, I've seen him in several productions, uh, shows and movies before. Um, and it's great to see him having success as, you know, the one of the main characters. And the fact that he can pull that that off with, you know, both authenticity and also still be, you know, kind of sincere in his his words is, you know, speaks to, you know, his ability to really portray this character, which mm -hmm. I think think his role is maybe the hardest in the show because you don't get to be the sneering you know mustache twirling guy or the you know the the young up-and-comer you're kind kind of this you know king who has to be a little bit of a doofus but more than that because he's not yeah. just he's not just a bumbling idiot but he is a guy in a bunch of tough situations and his ability to yeah they're 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 towing the line i feel like between comic relief and like legitimate bumbling idiot like <laughs> i don't know how to describe it, like what you said but it's it's almost like it could be funny but at the same time you there's a humanity to it of like oh yeah that shit that's how i feel like i would act if i was a 60 year old man approach with this situation it's <laughs> rough all around i just i mean just like the just well, yeah, we're trying to apply, to apply our modern, you know, societal brains to this, and this isn't something that's new. The concept is, you know, they, it is what's reinforcing their decision making, right? It's mm -hmm. like you have to propagate your bloodline with a pragmatic solution of, you know, it has to be a person of high status, high power, and these are the choices that you have. Um, but you see it across the board of different people comfortable with those levels of. Yeah, hey, well, you've read this in a book. I don't know how many times, right? And you read it, you're like, ah, that's weird, but it's a book. But when you see then, real people having to do it, it's like, oh, how the hell are they going to, like... Well, and in addition to, like, House Valerian is, you know, one of the closest, longest allies of, you know, the House Targaryen, and they've had previous, you know, relations before. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, which makes it even more awkward that you're basically, like, telling your, you know, sort of 
almost cousin, not quite, but in some ways, like that you won't uh, marry and bear a child or bear a child with their 12 year old, you know, kid. <laughs> like, well, it is his cousin. It's his literal cousin. Like, Rainey's is his, his first cousin, right? Yeah, I guess so. That, yeah. So, there's, so there's a uh, level. But that isn't that's not an estranged idea, the the, no, for the keeping the keeping the blood yeah. line. So that's that's still there, but but also too, I mean, it can't be easy for a parent to make that decision for their child either. And of course we go in, into that a little bit in conversation here in the future, but the you know, Corliss and you know, Rainey's approach, you know, Viserys with this, you know. Yeah. But almost as a business transaction at first. Yeah. It's this is this is the best decision that you need to make, right? This is this is the solution. Um well it's like think about Walter part? Frey, right? We talked about Walter Frey last last time. And like he has multiple of these things happen. And we read that in the books, and we it, it never says like, okay, this person in Walter Frey's following approached him to marry their 12-year-old daughter. Like they don't describe that situation. <laughs> we actually got that on the screen. Like adults had to had to literally say, Yes, sixty-year-old man. Our twelve-year-old daughter would be a. This would be a, a a mutually beneficial situation for us and a, a political strategic move. And when she turns fourteen, then you can have kids. And like, I mean, there are still all cultures today that practice almost something very similar. You know, like planned marriages are still yeah. a thing right they're like they're and they're still on a business and transactional level you know for the sake of you know royalty furthering royalty bringing another person's family into you know a higher status or the reluctancy to see mm. their child marry somebody of lower status so it's like you're taking that concept preserve but then the also line. applying it to yeah to the preserve the line and it's it's rough all around you know it's yeah. just <laughs> a tough situation for sure. uh, but back but will, to john's point too viserys does a good job of that scene of showing his discomfort the look on his showing, face when she says and, i'll bear you many children it's just like it, and then did, did I, your it, parents tell you to say that and then the grooming yeah. you, you then then you know the parents are grooming that conversation so man just so much but you were you were gonna say something peter sorry oh i was just gonna say you know i think it makes more sense to like in a real politic way for him to not marry you know into his closest ally and instead um ultimately do what he does even if it might also be part of a scheme by his own hand um i think it's much better to marry your enemies to bind them to you than to just keep things close with someone who's already in your corner more or less. Yeah. It's a good point. So there's like a weird uh, spectrum happening here. Like he's being encouraged to, you know, just use weapons, use dragons to just burn people and like deal with problems swiftly on one end, on the other end, he's being asked to marry 12 year olds and he's like navigating this middle ground of like, okay, obviously these things are crazy on both ends of the spectrum here. I need to try to play the reasonable person. So he's, he's, he's being consistent at least he's trying to like play this reasonable, like, I know I should just deal with this problem of the crab feeder, 
but I'm not going to do, I'm not going to employ that. That's too extreme. And there's too high a risk there. And then at the same time, like, I'm not going to marry this 12 year old. That's too, like, that's too weird. <laughs> it's too too extreme. Like there's too, yeah. So he, he's very much like the middle ground guy. Um, and what we would think is like the people's champion, but of course we're going to just see this all collapse around him because yeah, there'd be no show if it was the happy, exactly. the the King Viserys happy times. Like you know, there just there wouldn't be much to. You know what? To... I feel like people will watch that though. <laughs> and then another ten years of economic prosperity. <laughs> All right. Speaking of happy times, we have Rainies and man, I'm going to go back and forth between Rainies and Rainies. It's really whatever <laughs> comes to me Rainier, at the time. Yeah. Rainies and Rhaenyra have their their chat and. My take here was there the this is you know Rainey is basically telling Rhaenyra that men will never choose women as as a leader, and the part that jumped out of me was Rhaenyra kind of like snaps back a little bit back to Rainey's of like, well they denied it's you, your daughter bitch. too yeah it's like it's your <laughs> daughter doesn't that upset you and Rainey's like of course it does and Rhaenyra goes oh it's like oh shit I wasn't like she realizes that everyone's doing things that they don't want to do because they know it is like for the right. It's for the good of the realm or for their own advancement. Yeah. That was kind of her intro into, Oh, you don't just do what it is that you desire. Sometimes you have to do things for, for the strategic move of it. Yeah. And it was, that was what, you know, I think a great conversation and, you know, the, older actress um has been really good with her limited stuff mm-hmm. so far um, Eve best yeah um she's been really good in a limited role um and it also you know kind of contrasts i think probably intentionally with you know a lot of daenerys targaryen and game of thrones like kind of parallels you know with princess rhaenyra and her in some ways you know with the male power structure and wishing mm. to upset things um i do you know and it was nice to see more of the princess and make her more sympathetic to where like i felt in the first episode we didn't spend a lot of time with her to really have an interest in her other than oh she's young and some people are being a little mean to her but why should we care and this episode kind of gave more interest to her character i think at least for me i still i still have some she's scheming she's got some she's got some other stuff you know maybe that's animosity towards Viserys for being chosen as king and, and you know the pressure to want King Viserys to to propagate bloodline right and then again having that conversation with Renera about being uncomfortable offering her daughter if I'm not mistaken she does have a son that's in close age and relation to Renera, right so if so, we're willing, yeah Lainor. if we're if we're willing to have a conversation about this, you know, let's plan a marriage for the sake of our families. You have an heir chosen already, and maybe the realm doesn't want to see a woman in power, right? Maybe that's the current standing. You know, that's what the demo, what she believes is the demographic is: men won't bow down to a woman's reign, right? You've got a son that's similar, similar age. They're young. They can try and still have the rest of at least Viserys's life to try and create a suitable male heir to at least 
Renera or somebody to a point at that point. I don't know. I'm thinking like there's other solutions that still work politically in Corliss and Rainey's favor to try and get on Viserys's good side. You're saying Rhaenyra, Matt, pair Rhaenyra with Lenor, I think the Valyrian yeah. son. Then there, if Rhaenyra is queen, Lenor is kind of like the king, king but consort, not the second. Like yeah, the, the king consort, consort king. or whatever. Yeah, but they're, then, they're, if they had a son, that would that would be king of the realm. Yeah. And that would be a Valyrian descendant. Yeah, that's a good point. But I do think that, you know, Damon, like, is is lurking there as a potential romantic partner as well uh for princess rainera but that might be later like much later like i feel like there's too much like of an intimate relationship between them and that they could really team up together and you know usurp the the king as well because they've both kind of been slighted um well yeah similar ways that takes us to the next scene which i mean i'm gonna come right out and say it this was one of my favorite scenes, not just of this season so far, but of like Game of Thrones, all told. I, I don't know if we're calling it the bridge scene, the steps, kerfuffle. <laughs> we get Otto tells Viserys basically, "No, you're not going to go deal with Damon. I'm going to deal with Damon. It's too dangerous." I don't know what what is your read on that? Like I I his very definitive moment of basically putting him in this place and Viserys is very quick to be like, oh, oh yeah, you're right. Why why Otto sending himself? Well, I think he knows that Damon is a real threat. Like he knows that he's a legitimate threat. And but it was interesting to see him put himself at risk. Like he doesn't seem the type yeah. to just run out, you know, and you know put himself where he could get stabbed or burned you know by a dragon so that was interesting to see and i don't it didn't seem too like it was just oh we need a character here you know because you know that they didn't need exactly. to have He's him there too big yeah they could i just think said... it was intentional he auto and i think this could play out to some a, a bigger plot unfolding but i think you know auto would rather put himself at risk to keep damon and viserys divided for what's possibly to come mm-hmm. you know we've already seen some other foreshadowing you know uh, behaviors from Otto just transpiring from different events that are happening in Viserys's life um, yeah you know he's obviously somebody who can manipulate maybe not manipulate but Viserys just takes his opinion on high regard so which is also interesting that he, that man can put him in his place but if anybody else raises their voice at the king Viserys is very much like you'd talk to your king like that. But Otto yeah. can be like, sit your old ass back in that chair. I'm going to go. Well, Otto has more experience, right? Otto Otto was the hand for Jaharis before him. But um, no, I, I, I do like that. And it sounds like then Otto is like kind of honest in what he's saying. Like, hey, it's too dangerous. He just doesn't trust Viserys to go and get this done. And, and and what he says directly to Damon, like, oh yeah, Viserys would never stoop so low as to deal with this mummer's farce, right? Like, it, I think he knew that that gesture alone, although Viserys would have never made it himself, but Otto doing it on his behalf of just, yeah, Viserys is not going to come and deal with you. It's not, you're not worth his time would do more to subside the situation than Viserys going in and trying to talk him down 
Yeah, it's such a, it's such it's interesting that she, he chose to play, especially those words too, because that's not that wasn't true. I mean, Viserys is ready yeah. to to march down there, right? So exactly. And then we get and then it boils. It I mean, starts boiling. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I I on watch number two, that the volume went from you know sixty to eighty five. As the dragons come in, so Otto draws the swords. They're like, point them all in the direction. As soon as Damon draws his swords, it just kind of wide shots back. And we just hear the like the crackling, like little like screamy, screechy crackling. <laughs> and then long wormy boy comes out of the castle. And we're going to have the wyvern dragon discussion again, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> He and I, he's he's a worm, all right. We're good. We're good. He's a blood worm. He's yeah. Oh, we're good. And then Otto Otto shows his intelligence of just like, all right, put him the fuck away. Yep, this isn't gonna work. <laughs> like <laughs> when they had the added tension of the you know Sir Kristen Cole newly of yeah that Kingsguard little banter is there too. Um, you know, which is you know a fun to see him included more but also kind of adds another little yeah. thing to the stakes perhaps you remember when i bested you or whatever he says <laughs> yeah knocked perhaps you off your horse yeah. Yeah. yeah how about his helmet though what it seems like he's the only one that's wearing a helmet and it looks really goofy on him like he looks like a kind of stoic dude but he puts that helmet on and he literally like it makes him look like a child i don't know <laughs> Looks like you're you're a freshman year of high school. You put on one of the <laughs> the senior exactly. size helmets. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, functionality over style. Maybe you know, got to protect the noggin. But yeah. also, yeah, it could be it could be worn like that by choice. He's the only battle hardened. You know, he's that, a vet oh, at this point. Yeah. Other than yeah, all the knights of summer, mm-hmm. ready Green to pull their swords grass. out. Like, <laughs> and it was also kind of weird. So like. Otto makes a comment of, like, basically, you of course you'll die. Like, like, like the odds were so tilted against Damon, but he, he brought like twenty dudes. Like Damon's got a and the man's got an army and a dragon. Yeah, he's got his whole castle of people. They don't all come down on the steps, but it was like, does Otto not realize that the dragons at his disposal? Like straight up, well, like. I think that's it's... why I think it was intentional, right? I think, I think him choosing to go there and incite that spark, like I think Otto's smarter. Obviously, we all know Otto's a smart man, but I think he does have a level of respect for Damon. He's got a he's got a hair trigger, but he's not mm-hmm. so willing to slaughter all twenty of them just to make a point. Yeah, he's not going to kill all of them, but also he's not going to kill you know, a high Lord hand or the King, which would sign his death warrant. Like if they'd sent, you know, if they'd sent 200 guys and he melts, you know, 200 random lowborn knights or something, you know, no one's going to get too upset, but if he, you know, roasts the hand of the King, he's immediately on it, on the death list. Um, Yeah. Well, it, it seems to me like Damon's motivation like I don't think he gives a fuck about Viserys. Like I, I, I think he would kill him and not care, but he doesn't seem to be. He doesn't want to be a mag or like I'm just gonna take it by force and and you all have to submit to me. He likes to inspire. He likes to gain people to his side. 
like the the situation with the gold cloaks and getting them all like mustered up and to go out and like deal with everything it, it seems like that's more his his thing is like he wants people to to follow them by their will and he's not just going to kill whoever's in power take it over and demand everyone follow to him follow him so i feel like he would kill viserys but but that won't get him what he wants in the way that he wants it when he also even cares about his you know his hooker stripper girlfriend like you know he has a sensitive side i mean maybe that's the same thing like he he was he's given a wife of of high standing but he didn't get it the way that he wanted he didn't want her so it's like it didn't come on his terms so he doesn't want it his hooker wife is is on his terms right <laughs> which is almost counterintuitive though because he makes I mean, his argument to, I mean, the next scene, which is great. You see the clouds start to break, and then Incredible. Rhaenyra comes in, and it's just a great scene. I mean, I think the that's also of, the sound of Cyrax coming out, <laughs> I which I think it, but... you know, rage from. I feel like you could you could feel the tension that was like inspired by the conversation that Renera had with Rain. She's like, you know what? Fuck like absolutely fuck this. Like I'm gonna go to Dragonstone. You know, I think that conversation kind of influenced her decision. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? No, I'm gonna change shit, right? So she goes, does does her thing, right? Shows up on the bridge, but then Damon's, you know, argument, right, back to to Rhaenyra is is about tradition. It's about, you know, I want my son to be to have an egg in the cradle, but then deny also by tradition the wife that was bequeathed. I don't know if that's the right word. I don't really know. They don't. They don't really be handing out wives, but you know, in in a form that he didn't respect. So he's obviously has his own, you know. Well, I think he's trying to play their game. He's like, "Oh, well, there's precedent that I can have mul- that Targaryens have multiple wives. So, if I can find a way that fits with your agenda that that validates what I want, then I'm gonna use that against you." But really, his his motivation is he just wants he's kind of a narcissist and just wants it his his way he wants things on his terms but man i want to talk about the, the like it was particularly the rival of cyrax and rhaenyra and cyrax and like coming through the clouds landing on the bridge and i don't know I, i'm trying to just like recall what it what it stirred but it was it was very much like a almost video game or book moment or like something that you've only ever pictured or saw like depicted in an animated like uh, I'm almost even thinking of like 16. I don't know why I've never actually seen this moment before, but like a 16 bit dragon sitting on a bridge and you're on your other forces and the other one lands on the other side and you have to battle or whatever, just something that's never happened in a reality. And to see it on the screen like this played out in front of these characters in live action was just, ex- just extraordinarily striking to me of the, the, the scale of the dragons and the sound and, it felt it felt hyper real as I was yeah, watching. Yeah, the tension, it. right? There's because yeah, there's the there's some tension yeah. there because oh and the discipline that the dragons have because like if yes for any reason one of them got spooked, right? I don't I don't I don't think you could spook a dragon like you spook a horse, right? But like dragon 
they're all done. They're all cooked. Like, yeah. I think that there's a tension now. And I think that that's one of the pivotal moments there is once they get a dragon on their side, Damon's like, oh shit, my, like, my hand isn't as strong anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's something like the original Game of Thrones didn't really have a tension. Like, there wasn't ever a force that could oppose the dragons other than, you know, if you count the ice dragon or whatever. Ice dragon, yeah, north of but the wall. But that right? never really had a time to, like, <laughs> Re, you know, interact with the other dragon. You know, like sure, there's a little bit of fighting, but there was never attention or deterrence to the use of a dragon. You know, before in you know. And if Game we talk about size and magnitude to Game of Thrones, I'm sorry, that ice dragon fucks all of Daenerys's dragons up easy. <laughs> I'm sorry if you just if you just take sheer scale, that's they're all fucked. But pardon my language. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know but... what what rating this podcast is. <laughs> Rated X. Um, I got the explicit or the mm-hmm. yeah, but, we're, but we're just, tagged appropriately. Went downhill at Hooker, but uh, <laughs> but just yeah, the the ability to use the dragons for tension instead of just a automatically melting someone or a dubious short fight. Like you know, you have you know dragons on opposing sides, and that's you know something that I imagine we're going to see a lot of in the course of the show and we've never seen before no like never, anywhere right? anything i've never oh I, there may be some movies from 2002 but often matthew well, mcconaughey in it well uh <laughs> uh and helicopters and tanks fighting yes but uh um typically dragons yeah are usually solitary or all on the same side there's very well yeah we hear about uh vagar right so She's off somewhere, nestled up on a beachside. <laughs> so, Rhaenyra comes in, approaches Damon. They exchange. They have this this fifty fifty old Valerian, high Valerian, and common tongue exchange. She has a great line. I didn't write it down. Of basically like, I'm the subject of your ire. I'm standing right here in kill me or let's let's be done with this right yeah and damon's like cool you call my bluff here's the egg see you well i thought i thought for a second he was gonna punt the football off the bridge like anchorman that dragon's coming out lopsided i'm sorry something (laughs) yeah there was a couple she was like throwing it from one hand to the other when did you see how they immediately drop it in the brazier or whatever like gotta keep this dragon hot like that dragon's coming out special for sure <laughs> there's maybe, gonna be some complications maybe, maybe this is why the dragons go extinct uh too much egg shaking yeah they're all descendants of the, <laughs> the shaken dragon shaken baby syndrome just man so rainier deals with shit hops back on cyrax heads back we get rainier walks into uh viserys chambers and his reaction immediately is he says to her something about like, you're the, you're my only heir. You could have been killed. Like I'm not concerned about you as a person. I'm concerned about the fact that the Targaryen line could have been broken by your actions. Like he's, he is back to this, not back to he's only, he's his only concern is the Targaryen heritage at this point. And that's what he's, he's literally asked every member of the high council, like trying to figure out who am I going to marry? What is the best course forward? I need to protect the Targaryen line. I need to ensure that, that 
our um well i guess we can presume at this point the like the prophecy of the targaryens to protect the realm from the next impending doom gets carried on so much so that he's not actually caring about rhaenyra herself it's just to her face you could have died and broken the line well and it also goes to show you know when he later decides to marry like with the express purpose of creating a new heir will just further undermine princess you know rhaenyra's position even more like exactly what i was gonna say just just that again undermining of just like like another especially when you start the conversation that way you're just immediately gonna undermine the fact that i'm i'm the heir and yet in front of the council you dismiss me in in our dinner again you dismiss me um and then the proverbial sunglasses fall, right? She just says, can I sit down? Like, you can grill me, but let's talk about it. Yeah. Well, it seems like he's doing, his move is always the dodge, right? He didn't name Rhaenyra heir because he wanted her to be heir. And she she has a quote about it. But because he didn't want Damon to be heir, right? She's like, you didn't, you didn't choose me. You spurned Damon, right? This is the same situation. I feel like he didn't choose Allison. He just was no way he was going to choose Lena. Like he didn't want that situation. It's too weird for him. So he's but they're taking... fifteen, right? So Allison's fifteen because I think they make that comment that it's only six months later, but Rhaenyra is fifteen and. If I'm not mistaken, they're the same. Maybe I'm just misreading. I thought, I thought they were like 12 and, and Allison's 15. And uh, Yeah, it's Allison's some, 15. I'm talking three years. It's three. I mean, that's a big three years. Yeah, that's fair. Don't, don't I'm not justifying that. the 12-year-old thing. That's not, that's not where this is going. I'm just – but but if the, if the base that, you, like, that the claim is, you know, that mm-hmm. – if age is the only influence is the decision that you made to choose Allison, that's a, you know, I think there's other influencing decisions, right? Cause I think part of the influence had to be the blue dress. Like, did we see this? <laughs> She's wearing the same dress the entire episode. They fly to fucking Dragonstone and back. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure Dragonstone is like three, sorry, Otto and, and, and the Knights sail to Dragonstone. That's like a multi-day journey. And every shot, Alice, everyone else is changing clothes, but Alice is just like, nah, man, this is the dress. This is the I'm scoring a king dress. Like, yeah, like she's pulling out her fingernails, but still wearing the same, the same clothes. That Targaryen <laughs> blue. I don't know. Like, is that like a bull side? It's like a, like a bull's, whatever you call the. Oh, you're talking about like the matador, like the yeah, when the matador like, waves the cape, it's like, is that the, the color that she thinks that the the Targaryen king wants to see? I mean, again, that can be just one of those like subtle little levels of. I mean, Otto again before leaving to Dragonstone makes the comment to Allison about you know get it done tonight type situation. Like mm-hmm. that could just be one of those pressures. Do everything you can to make the series comfortable like you make the decision feel like Viserys's decision um not a pressure it can't be a pressure because mm-hmm. you saw what happened right Corliss and Rhaenys approach 
Viserys, and Viserys, he toils over it. He wants everybody's, again, like, I want your unencumbered opinion on what I should do versus the subtle implication of this is a decision that you could make. She bringing him the dragon. She yeah. fixed his Lego. She fixed his Lego. Like, that's that's pretty key. I mean, it's hard to turn that down. Like that's going above and beyond the Call of Duty. Yeah. So flowers. is there and then is there nothing else there? Like, is that it? Is is there no other strategy on Viserys's part of why he's choosing Allison here? I mean, you got to think if you no pick. One. Lena, well, right? If you pick Lena, you've got the Valerian and the Valarian and the Targaryen house joined at this point, right? Yeah. I think that there may be a pressure that Coralus pushes to try and force Viserys to make harder decisions based on that bond. Because it's not again, it's that prosperous, you know, we're married, we're gonna make the family stronger, but also yeah. that's now my decisions should carry more weight um whether that's influencing the king directly or again pushing you know Coralis's comment a little bit later in the episode about having to build his entire empire on his own back right you know that's mm -hmm. just another means of them to gain a little bit more power it's one step closer to the throne for Rhaenys right versus Otto's been at his side he's been nothing but truthful he's been honest like has he well I did, mean, you, did you see that he's been honest yeah but at the same time like house high hightower is one of the you know most wealthy well-off powerful houses you know like i, I think they like make a comment about how the valarians are the most wealthy they're one of them yeah uh, okay. and you know just to throw it out there they're pretty not much of a big deal by the time game of thrones goes around so uh I'd say things, pro you know, they're still there, but events to unfold. Yes, events to unfold probably don't bode well for House Valerian, um, but they do seem like one of the wealthy and powerful ones at the time, uh, especially among the non-Lord uh, Paramount houses or whatever you want to call it, who you know rule each of the seven kingdoms. They seem to be like top of the the next level um houses yeah well or soon this... to be crippled soon to be crippled by the impending like threat of crab feeder i mean and that's mm -hmm. one of those things that's that's influencing Coralus's, you know inciting a lot of his anger right now yeah especially being you know the naval master um and being a seafaring house you know it's really eating into their profits literally <laughs> that takes us that Crab takes us to our last feeder. our last scene here then we get we get um damon and corliss well we do a little attempt at misdirection and mm -hmm. who's corliss talking to and obviously uh damon has his his pushback there he has a couple comments of like you know i'll speak of my brother as as i choose but you will not like clearly not willing to give up any ground but by the end of the conversation, it seems clear that at least I read it as Dame, Damon's a line. He can take a step up in, in getting what I kind of, I think what I was talking about before of like getting things his way, he will win over the power of the people and influence 
people to follow him if he deals with what's obviously a problem. There's people are people are dying. The free cities are are gaining a hold and then creating a colony in Westeros, and the king isn't dealing with it. For Damon to deal with it himself, with the help of Corlys, the back end Corlys, he makes a move to gain power again for himself, just like he acquired the gold cloaks. He's gonna gain power of individuals for himself without the influence of his brother, you know, the king Viserys. Well, I think, you know, it's it shows that he's, you know, Damon is still a prime f- force, even for his relatively low screen time in the episode, he's still kind of driving things mm. um, and driving the action in the show. Um, really shows, you know, the power he has um, and, you know, as kind of this agent of a little bit of chaos, but also just decisive action in, you know, kind of a juxtaposition with, you know, the king's relative benign indifference. Yeah, it was hard. I, interestingly enough, I kind of took that in the op- opposite direction. I Initially, that's what I was, because at first with the scene, I was, my initial thought was, hey, this puts into perspective the power that Damon truly has, right? Because if, you know, I'm Corliss, I'm going to the king to deal with this threat because Crabfeeder, he's not somebody that, you know, sending one ship isn't going to take care of this threat, right? I need somebody with power. I need somebody with agency to to deal with this and make a statement um, that this is not okay. That doesn't go well, right? So he approaches Damon. So initially I was like, okay, so Damon's army must be strong enough, right, to pose enough of a threat with enough power beyond just having a single dragon at this point um, to be able to squash this, to be able to make a statement and crush Crab Feeder. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, maybe Crab Feeder's not that big of an issue. He, he's Maybe he's just a pirate with a few ships causing a headache. But this is that catalyst to push for further further conflict to actually open up some real holes um in Viserys's reign right um yeah yeah because then you have you know if Damon goes out roasts and makes a crab boil you know or some crab cakes and uh comes back then it's like hey look look what I did you know while the king you know played with his lego sets I went out and you know, freed the step zones from this ravaging pirate, you know, that's going to win over people. Uh, you know, why aren't I the heir? Why aren't I the king, maybe even, you know, versus Mr. I sit around and, you know. But then Viserys is forced to make a decision because the, the problem still still stands that, that Corliss has, as well as it sounds like amongst others as well, is that the king is unwilling to make a decision for the betterment of the nation because they're talking about hey you're you you'll wage war with these cities if you attack here these are these are residents still of these cities and if you attack them just to squash this like you could be declaring war but if damon goes and takes care of it i feel like you're now in the same problem damon now just takes over crab feeder at this point he's i feel like still envisioned as the same problem that the king needs to deal with yeah Yeah, just replaces one issue for another yeah and and i think that's like hopefully gonna reveal itself here soon is is what the threat of crab feeder really is and is he 
is he just an agent of the triarchy just probing to see hey will will, will they use their dragons is Viserys going to actually like use use a show of force to get rid of a threat like this or or is there an inroad here that we could pursue and we don't actually care if the crab feeder dies but we'll see i i i don't think that to me i don't see killing the crab feeder and like destroying his forces is an act of war against the free cities it's just a they'll then take that information to say all right we're going to need if we do want to make a move on Westeros, we're going to need a, a larger show of force than just this little incursion here. Um, but somebody's supplying the pirates, right? So somebody's <laughs> supplying them. And again, it can yeah. also just be somebody's just trying to make some money. So they don't really care. Well, Weapons dealing is not something that's new to society, right? So like, it, they don't care who buys it. They don't care who buys the ships. Well, that's the that's the glory of privateers. You know, you just give them a little funding, yeah. and they they go raid for you, and you get all the plausible deniability. Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's just you know kind of been financed to to do some plundering and raiding um, by you know whatever the free cities or the triarchy, if it comes to that, um, or the high towers. I mean, <laughs> that would be what? interesting. Um, could really tie things in too if he's been funding it funded by Westeros the whole time. Yeah. All right. On that note, I think it's time to uh, head to the Dragon Pit and decide our uh, Golden Dragon Egg winner of the week. Here, I feel like we got a lot of contenders. Like we were just describing, I mean, Damon seems to take a bit, step backwards from Nero, maybe a step forward. Viserys is still fumbling like he has before. I don't know what are uh, who are our front runners here. Well, for me, best performance was uh, the Queen who never was in her limited role. I thought she gave the the best overall, uh, most striking performance. But uh, in terms of uh, doing the most for themselves, I'd say Princess Rhaenyra uh, did the most to really take action for themselves even if it wasn't the the most uh strongest performance in the episode that stood out to me if that makes sense mac i got a clear i got a clear tie i thought the two most impactful and i think tie kind of tying together are um allison and viserys viserys um, i think there's a lot of growth even though i don't think it'll be evident right off the bat for Viserys. He's bad. I mean, again, this man's still battling an ailment that nobody can figure out what it is. He's being pressured to make decisions from all sides of all fields. We didn't even talk about We didn't even talk about the maggot hand bath. Yeah, we we did not. Was still trying to connect with his daughter. So mm-hmm. like and he tried, you know, he does make attempts, you know, at dinner a little bit, it backfires. And then again having a conversation about him reflecting on Rhaenyra's similarities to his mom and then the comment about you know there's a warmth in the kingdom that will never regain type so you know he's shown you know almost every stage of grief at this point you know he's tried to reach out and seek help from you know his his counsel actually so rather than the arguments we've seen in episode one and him having to put them in place you've seen him reach reach out to try and connect with them on a personal level um him try to make strategic decisions that are best for the kingdom um and then also just try to connect with his daughter but i thought allison getting um to you know 
pray to the gods to to speak to her mom and daughter. I thought that was honestly one of the most powerful scenes. Um, in the another episode. another religious setting between the two of them. We had the wire with yeah. last week, and now we have the sept this week. And intriguing, but yes, go on. But yeah, just kind of again showing that because it's still hard for me to decide. Is this cool? Is Allison cool and calculated and methodical with her yeah. approach to her relationship with Viserys and Renera, or is she just that? That's who she is. She's a more stoic, spiritual person, and that's you know that's where her passions lie in history and religion. And she truly means because at this point she's almost like the hand to Rhaenyra. She's like guiding. She's trying to teach, but they're the same age. They've been side by side. Yet Allison seems more wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that can just be that's the that's the family. The High Towers. Otto is more calm, calculated, informed. Rhaenyra takes after her father. She's very emotional, responsive. Yeah. So, I yeah, I I think I digress. I do think it comes down to I want to say Viserys. You know, I I got to give it to Viserys. I think there's the most growth there. Um, what about you, John? Who's your winner? I mean, my thoughts go to the the literal plot of the show with the with the high towers. I mean, we don't net yet know is it Otto? Is it Allison? It seems like it's Otto pulling the strings, and Allison is the puppet. But as far as who progressed forward in the plot, Allison just became queen yeah the potential queen queen. yeah Yeah. like the queen the literally the queen and then the queen mother like she just gained the most advance and i think it's it's otto's influence but she actually pulled it off she's the one that got in there and had to have the weird conversations and and blood magic legos Legos, yeah yeah Yeah, so (laughs) i'm i'm pulling for allison here yeah i think we have our common denominator well she may have been your your Choice 1.5 Mac. Uh, consensus. Allison Hightower. Golden Dragon Egg winner of the week. I can back it. Yeah. All right. And she's going to be down. a major player moving Put it forward. Down the tomes. <laughs> We're going to need like a book. It's kind of like the, the book of the, the, the King's Guard, right? Like to mm-hmm. win. <laughs> a giant tome of winners. All right. Meme of the week. What do we got? It's harder finding memes this week. I can't lie. This week wasn't as strong. So I saw one like right off the bat. Damon and Corliss and uh, the shot, the picture was from Hey Arnold. So Arnold and <laughs> and his friend, they have the secret handshake. I think his name is like Gerald or something. Yeah, mine wasn't very... Did we do last week? Uh, and I don't remember what the uh, the name of the song is, but it was um, Game of Thrones Watchers starting House of the Dragon, and it's the scene from Tommy Boy 
when they're in the car and the song comes on the radio and and David Spade and Chris Farley are like, oh, I mean, you could change it if you want. You're like, oh, I'm not, I'm not gonna change you, you, you know, you can change it. And and then they end, up, then it like cuts to them like singing out. It's like the Don't you remember y'all told me you love me, baby? It wasn't super good, but there was a uh, the green dress Allison is wearing. Somebody photoshopped uh, Fiona from Shrek. <laughs> I was, I thought that was a pretty good one, but yeah, memes were memes were pretty pretty dry this week for for House of the Dragon. But I don't think there was a lot of meme worthy. Yeah, there wasn't content a... in this one. Yeah, it wasn't as memeable. Like there wasn't anything that stood out. Like, I mean, if Matt Smith at or. Damon had punted the egg off the bridge. You know, that would have been probably a good meme or something. But oh, oh, I think so. My vote is they had the there's that meme format, right? Where it's the guy that's like clearly walking with his girlfriend, like holding hands, but he's and like he's, turning back yeah. and looking over his shoulder, like, and it's like him, it's Viserys, and he's holding hands with a 12 year old, and he's looking back at a 15 year old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's pretty good all right man what a rough situation though yeah that whole scene <laughs> just like watching it the second time too i was like oh i don't know oh. if you're it's like if you're cringing or if you're laughing but <laughs> it's incredible rough. stuff you see on the screen acted out like the director just sit there be like yeah we're doing this like we're gonna, we're gonna do yeah it we're doing this we're you doing the 12 year old thing you have to practice your what man especially like what did your mom say oh like my mom said i don't have to bed you until i'm 14 like <laughs> just my ears took nothing but hooks it was bad i, was, I cringed yeah that had to be a very like moment of i'm a professional i'm a professional i'm a professional <laughs> trying to pull that scene off all right i am surprised i honestly on a on a note that doesn't necessarily have to be in the set of I honestly was expecting there to be some like I tried to look not a huge lot of blow up just on like you know we're in a culture now that just somebody saying something even cast in a show can get them yeah to like canceled right and you know we're at we're on the precipice of like a huge you know right off the tail end of a huge change that the government made that took away a lot of women's rights and we've got a scene that Again, it's in a fictional show, but powerful enough, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's why I think literally Patty Considine's facial reactions are the only thing that pulled it off. Yeah, it's just I think pristine he, acting. Yeah. Like, if like, he doesn't, if he doesn't look the way that he does in that scene, and there's anything less than just like mortified reaction to the situation. It would have blown up, but everyone watched it. They're like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that that's how you should react in that situation. That's appropriate. Yeah, when I think, you know, and contrast that with, you know, some of the excessive, like, Ramsey Bolton, like, unnecessary rape scenes that they had, you know, in Game of Thrones. Like, you know, much more restrained, uh, which I think is for the best. Yeah, um, which which I had, I had written down. I didn't touch on it, but, like, I spent on the bridge. I I was getting like Ramsey vibes from Damon when he talks about like this is my household guard. They're loyal to me. They're not gonna listen to you, right? Like I I don't know. I even maybe it's just his his accent, but it, 
something about it there was like, wow, this is like, we're going total Ramsey shit here. Uh, maybe Damon's going to go off more than I, I expected him to. Okay. I don't know what our outro is. Our our, our endings haven't been strong. <laughs> Just more dragons. Yeah. All right. Play it out. Pretend like we got badass music. Um, Next week, episode three. I didn't watch the pre what we're about to get into, so I have no idea what's to come. I'm super excited. I think yeah, we're going to be too. a little overshadowed yeah. by we're going to have some rings of power coming in here to talk about, which uh, I don't think we're going to talk about, but we got a lot of fantasy on our hands to deal <laughs> yeah. with over this next long weekend. Your Grace, it would be a great honor to join our houses as they were in old Valeria. I would give you many children of pure Valerian blood so that we might strengthen the royal line and the realm. Is that what your father told you to say? What did your mother tell you? That I wouldn't have to bed you until I turned 14. <laughs> <laughs>